today, praise God, um, I'm going to go to the book of Nehemiah, the book of Nehemiah, uh, praise the Lord. We're going to talk about a man named Nehemiah, really in the sense uh, a man who was passionate, had uh, kind of got stirred up to do something, got led by God to do something and get involved, and he got stirred up to, uh, to see something done and how one man just being passionate about, you know, about something and how it stirred thousands of others to get involved, praise God, amen. And so uh, kind of a, a, a neat thing about this man, he was a, the cupbearer of the king of, of Persia who uh, was uh, uh, an, an Israelite, and, uh, but here he is working, uh, serving the king of Persia. And uh, let's, look, let's just go ahead and jump into this. Hallelujah. We're going to go to chapter 1, please. And verse 1, and it just says this, The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah, yay, I, I don't know if I pronounced it totally right. But, you know, yeah, I worked on this word to say I'm going to get, say, get this word down. And then I get up here and I butcher it. All right. Well, it came to pass in the month of Kislev, that in the 20th year, as I was in Shushan, the citadel, which is uh, the, the, uh, the castle here. Or, um, so anyway, it says, uh, Hananiah, one of my brethren, came with men from Judah. So in other words, this is Nehemiah talking. This is Nehemiah, some friends of his came back from Jerusalem. All right. So now he's, starting, he's going to ask him some questions here. He said, I asked him concerning the Jews who had escaped, who had survived the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, uh, the survivors who are left from the captivity in the province are there in great distress and reproach. In other words, broke, busted, and disgusted. All right, there's a lot of issues. Everybody say issues. All right, a lot of problems here. And it says that the wall of Jerusalem is, is also broken down and its gates are burned with fire. So obviously when they were taken captive, uh, you know, they came in and basically just destroyed everything. And, of course, now we got some people that are back into, in Jerusalem, uh, you know, and trying to make a go of it. And, uh, obviously, uh, they're pretty vulnerable because the, the, the walls are busted up, the gates are down. Uh, so it's kind of hard to stay protected when all this is going on. And so he's letting Nehemiah know what's going on. All right. So it was when I heard these words, verse 4, that I sat down and wept and mourned for many days. And I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. So this is Nehemiah now, okay, reacting to what he heard, okay? He's pretty broken by it. And, he said, and I said, I pray, Lord God of heaven, O great and awesome God, you who keep your covenant and mercy with those who love you and observe your commandments, please let your ear be attentive and your eyes open that you may hear the prayer of your servant. Everybody say your servant. So what's happening here is he's taking this kind of personal and he's basically saying, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm here and open to you. Basically, what can I do is what's going to happen here. Okay, so he's calling himself the servant of the Lord here. He said, which I pray before you now day and night for the children of Israel, your servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned both you, uh, which we have sinned against you, both my father's house and I have sinned. Now, uh, what's going on, he's kind of started making some things clear that the reason that the things happened to Israel, uh, you know, the way Jerusalem is right now is because of sin in the camp, we could say. Are you with me? And so uh, the, the word's pretty clear as you kind of look through the history 
And how many times Jerusalem, you know, the problems that they've had, you know, they get taken captive and they get back and then it seems like getting taken captive again. And it always comes down to the fact that they just won't surrender to God and let God be God. They won't, let, they won't follow God. And so Nehemiah's taking this thing pretty personal and he knows himself he's just as guilty. He knows he's got to own his own thing. And that's what's going on right now. He's recognizing that he and his own household, in his, own, in his father's household, we've also been guilty of this. And verse 7 says, We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments and statutes nor the ordinances which you commanded your servant Moses. Remember, I pray, uh, the, the word that you commanded uh, your, your servant Moses. Notice he's explaining it here. That if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. And that's exactly what happens to them every time they do this. But if you return to me, everybody say return. Hallelujah. Which is the good news now, right? I said, which is the good news, right? So if we would return to you and keep your commands or your utterances and do them, right? Though some of you were cast, in other words, if you were, even if they were all spread out here to the farthest parts of the heavens, okay, in other words, all spread out here, yet I will gather them from there and bring them to the place which I have chosen as a dwelling for your name. Now these are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and your strong hand. O Lord, I pray, please let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant. There it is. And to the prayer of your servants. In other words, I'm joining forces with anybody else out there of God's people that are willing to say, Lord, I'd like to see it different. I want to see it I want to see it different. Amen. Thinking the same way he is. Amen. He says, who desire to fear your name and let your servant prosper this day, I pray, and grant him mercy. He's talking about himself now. Grant him mercy in the sight of this man, which he's talking about the king, for I was the king's cupbearer. All right? A servant or uh, an attendant. Uh, One guy says it's uh, the king's uh, uh, bartender. Anyway, well, I guess when you kind of look at it, you know, it could be kind of how it was, all right? So anytime the king needed, you know, something to drink, he was there to do it. He just served the king. He didn't have really any relations with the king, okay, up to this point, okay? And uh, so here he is, just a man that's, you know, doing his job, uh, you know, serving, uh, you know, the king and, um, you know, uh, realizing and recognizing, amen, that his people are scattered all over the place. His people are in disarray. There's all kinds of problems in, in Jerusalem. And, and he's just, you know, he's taking it pretty personal. And he takes it so personal that he himself repents before God. It brings change in himself. I mean, that's where it starts, doesn't it? I mean, we can look around and see all the problems out there. And there's a lot of them. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of problems out there. And we're not saying that every problem that's out there is your problem or your fault. But what we are saying is it's a good thing when God's people rise up and say, you know what, I'm going to own my part. Amen. Come on, somebody. And I want, to make, I want to make a difference. Amen. This man had a passion, amen, to, to make a difference somehow. He didn't know how it was going to happen yet. He didn't know how it was going to go down. All he knows is he's burning on the inside with this fervent fire, this zeal to, to make a difference somehow. All right. So that's where we're at. So here we go now. Chapter 2. Are you doing okay? Now, we've been doing this kind of the last several weeks.
talking about different patriarchs of faith. And, and today we're going to, because, you know, kind of the hour that we're in, uh, we're, we're talking about Nehemiah, okay? And it says, and it came to pass in the month of Nisan, okay, in the 20th year of king. Now, let's see if we can get this one right, huh? Artaxerus, okay, with, when wine was before him, that I took the wine and gave it to the king. Now, I had never been sad in his presence before. Well, it's not good for a bartender to be sad. They should be up, right? They should be happy. Maybe everybody, anyway. Well, Therefore, the king said to me, why? Now, listen, this is a big deal. Why is your face sad when you're not sick? So the king's talking to him. Now, this isn't normal, okay? He's asking a question. This is nothing but sorrow of heart. In other words, the king can tell that it's not, not because you're sick or anything. He, and so, um, why is your face sad since you are not sick? This is nothing but sorrow of heart. So I became dreadfully afraid. This is, this is Nehemiah. Now, the word dreadful here means thoroughly. The word afraid here, as you look it up, just means uh, fear out of reverence or high regard. In other words, what it is, he is the king's talking to him. Well, you, the last thing you want to do is say something stupid. When the king finally is talking to you about something. Come on. Because normally you just come in, you pour his cup, you do your thing, you get back out. They call you back in for more, you come in, you do it, you get back out. All right? Now all of a sudden the king is asking him some questions. And really what's happening is he's getting an answer for the prayer that he prayed. Are you with me? He took ownership. See, it, there was, he, he got serious with this thing. When he heard this thing, it moved him. He got serious about it to the point that, Lord, whatever you can do with me, do it. Here am I. Use me any way you can. Lord, whatever can happen, happen. However you can make this work, I'm willing. Praise God. And I believe that's why at the end of the first chapter there, he said, I was the king's cupbearer. You know, anyway, it's just, you know. Think about that, meditate on that, because I feel like it's kind of like what David said. I used to keep my father's sheep, now I don't. Amen. Why? Because something is about to change. Amen. Well, this man knew something was about to change. Amen. He didn't know how it was going to change, but all of a sudden now he's got an opportunity. Everybody say opportunity. And he doesn't want to screw it up, right? So there's a, there's a reason that he's got this, this anxiety a little bit, okay? It says where he's thoroughly, you know, afraid, out of reverence and high regard. So uh, the king said to him, or probably, and said to the king here, may the king live forever. So in other words, I'm going to choose my words here. May the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when the city, the place of my father's tombs lies waste, lies waste, and, and its gates are burned with fire? All right, so now all of a sudden, what do we do here? Well, the king said to me, okay, what do you request? Everybody say, that's huge. What do you request? See, somewhere right, I mean, we're seeing now he's got favor, okay? So he said, I prayed to, to the God of heaven. In other words, what you're seeing here is he said this, God, give me the words to say. He didn't walk away and pray. He's right there probably under his own breath. He's saying, Lord, give me the words to say. I got to say this thing right. All right? And I said to the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, I ask that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs, that I may rebuild it. All right? So he's got, there it is. There's the, there's the mission. Okay? So he knows he's called to go back and be involved somehow or another to see the walls of Jerusalem get rebuilt. 
Amen. Are you with me? Then the king said to me, it says also with the king or the queen sitting next to him, all right, how long will your journey be? He's asking questions. And when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me and I set him uh, a time or whatever. So we don't know what that is. And, uh, but anyway, so obviously the king is going to send him, is okay with him going. So there he goes. Now he's asking another question. Furthermore, I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let letters be given to me for the governors of the region uh, beyond the river. And you're going to see what, what, what the deal is with that here in a minute. That they may permit me to pass, uh, pass through till I come to Judah. Okay, I've, otherwise he's, he may end up being dead. Come on, somebody. So he's got to have papers from the king, letting him pass through, come through. All right. And a letter to Asaph, okay, the keeper of the, of the king's forest. So not only is he asking for permission to go, he's asking, I'm asking for some resources too. So he, I don't know if he's just getting bolder as the, as the conversation goes on here, but either way, he's asking the king now, amen, for letters to the keeper of the king's forest that he, that he might give, give me timbers to make beams for the gates of the citadel, in other words, the palace, which pertains to the temple, talking about God's house, for the city wall and for the house uh, that I will occupy. And the king granted me, or granted them to me. Everybody say, praise the Lord. He granted them to me according to the good hand of my God upon me. In other words, the favor of God was on me. All right, now, so he takes off. He's heading there, right? What's happening? Well, then I went to the governors in the region beyond the river. In other words, I'm now facing all these ones that the king has, the king of Persia has placed there, amen, to basically lord over the region, lord over the other area there, all right? And really, there's not much going on in Jerusalem because their walls are all tore up. They can't really protect themselves. So you got people living, you got citizens living in there, but knowing that really in all honesty, they're at the, the mercy of, the, of those governors or whatever it is the Persian, uh, you know, has, has placed there. Uh, you know, so basically, bottom line is, uh, you know, they're just kind of at the mercy of, of these governors. I'll leave that one alone. But anyway, uh, you know, uh, this is what ends up happening pretty soon. They're, you know, they got the thumb screws on you. And you can't do anything. You can't go anywhere. You can't be what you're called to be, do what you're called to do, fulfill what you're called to fulfill. You do whatever you can to just try to survive and make a, somehow make a life. Is anybody hearing me? But somebody had a call. Somebody had a passion to do something. One man, amen, stood before a king, and because of the passion within him, because of the burning in his own heart, the king, amen, gave him mercy. Come on, somebody. Well, we all know the hand of the Lord was in on it, obviously. But the bottom line is, it moved on the king. The king gave him favor. Now he's going in. Now he's facing these governors. Then I went to the governors in the region beyond the river. And gave them the king's letters. Now the king had sent captains of the army and horsemen with me. Well, bottom line is because I don't want you to get killed on the way. Because there's a chance of it. Well, he had, he had some, some support there. But it said, when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official heard it. So these are some of those governors. See, Now they're just outside officials, all right, who lord over Jerusalem and that region. You still with me? All right. They were deeply disturbed 
that a man had come to seek the well-being of the children of Israel. Because we've, already, you know, we've got them under, the, you know, under our thumb right now, and we like it just the way it is. What are you doing here checking on them? Right? And how did you get letters from a king, our king to get in here? What are you up, what are you up to? What's going on here? Come on now. See, you know, just because you get favor from God or just because you get a call don't mean everybody's going to lay down and let you do it. Is anybody hearing me today? You still got to resist. Come on now. You still got to stand your ground and not let the enemy, you know, somehow make a lot of noise and somehow, you know, threaten you some way or another and get you to back up and quit. You got to live God loud. If you don't live God loud, the world keeps living loud. Is anybody hearing me? Amen. See, it takes a people, praise God, to rise up in who they are in Christ. Amen. To stand against the lies and the threatenings of the enemy. Come on now. So I came to Jerusalem and was there three days. Now, the reason I believe that he did that is because he knew that he's being watched. Are you with me? So he's just trying to play it cool. Okay. Then I rose in the night. Okay. He did it night for a reason. Right. And I and a few men with me, I told no one what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. Nor was there any animal with me except the one in which I rode. In other words, I'm not going to do anything that's going to draw attention to myself. So what's he doing right now? He's going to go out. He's going to survey the damage. He's going to try to get a game plan. He's going to try to hear from heaven on what he needs to do next. Amen. Come on, somebody. Sometimes God gives you a leading and what you got, you got to stay connected so God can lead you. Come on, anybody hearing me today? Amen. Well, I want to be involved. Well, good. Then let's get involved. Amen. Let's, let's, let's be a part of something bigger than ourselves. Amen. But in order to do that, praise God, you're going to have to stay connected. Amen. To the one that leads. Are you still with me? So he's going out. He's checking things out, trying to hear from heaven what he needs to do next. And he said, uh, let's see, so I went out by night through the valley gate uh, of the serpent well to the refuse gate and viewed the walls of Jerusalem, which were broken down, and its gates, which were burned with fire. So he's taking a, taking a look at all of it. Then I went on to the fountain gate and to the king's pool, and obviously different gates, different places within the city and community around the, the outer edge of the city. But there was no room for an animal uh, under me to pass, so I went up in the night by the valley, and viewed the wall. Then I turned back and entered by the valley gate and so returned. And, here we go, and the officials did not know where I had gone or what I had done. Okay, so in other words, they're watching, they're just trying to figure this guy out. Where did he go? Why is he doing this? Why is he here? What are they up, up to? What's going to happen? I like it when they just submit and don't, don't try anything. Just sit down, do what you're supposed to do and what you're told, and like it. Is anybody hearing me? It happens a lot out there. Huh? So they wondered what he, had, what he was up to, okay? I had not yet told the Jews... Probably on purpose, right? Because somehow this stuff leaks out. Sometimes you're not sure who's with you, who ain't. That's why you kind of hang out and survey. Come on, somebody. Trying to take it in. Who's really, who's really going to stand with you and who ain't? 
Come on, somebody. Who's with the Lord and who ain't? Or is anybody hearing me today? Yeah. All right. All right. So I had not yet told the Jews, the priests and nobles, the officials or the others uh, who did the work. And then I said to them, okay, here we go. Then I said. Now, I did a little word study, and you know me. We've got to have a little bit of that at least some, somewhere along the message. Come on, right? So then I said. Now, this is the word amar is the Hebrew word, which means to say with latitude, to speak with purpose, challenge, or to spur one forward. So we're saying that he's not just talking lightweight now. This boy has got a passion, has been stern for several days. He's ready to tell somebody what's going on and what we're going to do here. So he's taking charge. Everybody say he's taking charge. Hallelujah. He's rising up. Praise God. Amen. Speaking to these people. And he says, you see the distress that we are in and how Jerusalem lies waste and its gates are burned with fire. In other words, he's trying to say, listen, don't you see what the enemy's done? Don't you see what the enemy's trying to still do? It's time to make a difference here. Anybody hearing me? Are you bored already? You doing okay? All right. I said to them, you see the distress. You take a look. Well, why would he say that? You think, well, yeah, duh, they're all there. They're all living there. But you know as well as I do, there's sometimes the enemy just continues to ransack. Pretty soon you don't even know he's doing it anymore. It just becomes a part of life. We just accept it. It's just the way they're, I mean, they're, they, I mean, if they stopped and look, of course the walls are all busted in and burnt down. The doors are off their hinges. Everything's been burnt. But, you know, you're in it for months. You're in it for years. Who knows how long? We don't know the time frame here. But we do know it's been a little while. Pretty soon they just don't see it anymore. They're just doing whatever they can to survive. I said they're just doing whatever they can to survive. And sometimes the enemy... Gets us caught up in that. Am I talking to the right congregation today? Sometimes that's exactly what happens. Sometimes the enemy wants you so under it that all you think about day in and day out when you get up and when you go to bed at night, all you can think about is doing whatever it takes just as long as I survive. When all along you're a conqueror. You're an overcomer. Come on, somebody. All along, you're, you're uh, victorious in him. Hallelujah. Led in all triumph, praise God. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. But sometimes we forget that. I just want to make sure my family, you know, you know, keeps going on. I just want to make sure that I have enough to pay the bills. I just want to make sure I have food on the table. Pretty soon you get so far under it, and you got the enemy over there always putting the thumb screws on you. About the time you try to lift your head, you come into word of victory, and you hear, wah! And you go, yeah! And they go, so I don't know if you know this, but you know, sometimes the enemy just kind of sitting out there waiting in your car. Somebody says, well, he ain't allowed there. Then you got to tell him he ain't allowed there. Because sometimes we go right out there, we get back in the car, and the enemy goes, are you really going to hear that and listen to that? You should just settle down. <laughs> You're right. Who am I? What can I do? Well, I guarantee you, you can do a lot. And what this boy's trying to do is say this. Listen, 
He's passionate. He's going to get them stirred up, and that's exactly what he does. And all of a sudden, we got a thousand people jumping on board. Are you with me? Hallelujah. You see the distress and that they're in. Jerusalem lies waste and its gates burn with fire. Come and let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer be a reproach. And I told them of the hand. Now look what he's doing. I told them uh, of the hand of my God, which had been good upon me, and also of the king's words that he had spoken to me. In other words, he's trying to do is testify of what God's already done and the favor that he's walked in to let it be known this is a God thing going on right now. And so it stirred them up, praise God. Hallelujah. So they said, uh, here we go, let us rise up and build. I love this. Everybody say, rise up and build. And then they set their hand to do this good work. Uh, but here we go, Sanballat the Horonite and a parasite at that. Amen. Tobiah the Ammonite official, uh, Geshem the Arab uh, heard of it and they laughed. And they laughed at us and they despised us. They mocked and they joked and they belittled them. This is the, uh, the and with, pardon me, what is this thing that you are doing? Will you rebel against the king? In other words, again, making noise, threatening. Who do you think you are? So what they're trying to do now is intimidate. It is no different than what the enemy does to us day in and day out if you let him. He intimidates, says things, runs his mouth. Oh, hallelujah. Anybody hearing me today? So I answered them and said to them, the God of heaven himself will prosper us. In other words, my God will show himself strong. Therefore, we, his servants, will arise and build. But you have, no, I love this, but you, talking right now to this, this uh, Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem, okay, these parasites, right? You have no heritage or right or memorial in Jerusalem. In other words, you are nothing but an uncircumcised outsider. You have no authority over us. You have no dominion over us. We're done here. So what happens? They all got stirred up. So the next chapter is about all these families and started got involved. And they took their little part of the wall and they started rebuilding. And this group did this and this group took care of this and this group took care of that. And pretty soon, man, they're all working. Pretty soon they've all got their sleeves rolled up and going after it. Somebody say, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It's amazing when one person with some passion might get everybody else stirred up. Come on. Is anybody stirred up in this house? Yeah. Let's go to chapter 4. All right. So they're all working. But then again, here comes Sanballat again. That guy just won't go away. He heard that we were rebuilding the wall, and he was furious. He's mad now because they're actually doing it, and very indignant and mocked the Jews. And he spoke before the brethren in the army of Samaria, uh, what are these feeble Jews doing? Yeah, let's just keep mocking. Keep running your mouth, fool. Will they fortify themselves? Will they offer sacrifice? In other words, now he's starting to badmouth their God. That's what's happening. Uh-oh. Everybody go, uh-oh. Crossing the line, chump. 
All right. Will they revive the stones from the heaps of rubbish, stones that were burned? Now, Tobiah, the Ammonite, okay, was beside him, and he said he gets in on it too, right? Whatever they build, if even a fox goes up on, up on it, they will break down, break down the wall, the stone wall. They, they got nothing. They can't build nothing. They can't do anything. Just run in their mouth. Everybody say they run in their mouth. Sometimes that's all it is. The enemy just runs his mouth. Remember, he comes as a roaring lion. Doesn't say he is one. And Psalm says that the teeth of the ungodly have been knocked out. So you got a gumless, wannabe lion making noise. Or toothless. There we go. Toothless. Did I say gumless? Toothless, wannabe lion. There we go. All right. Well, you knew what I meant. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, glory. So, Nehemiah prays again. Everybody say resist. resist. Never back down, right? Hear, O God, right? Uh, for they are despised and they're trying to run their mouth. Turn their reproach on their own heads and give them as plunder to the land of captivity. <laughs> Amen. Do not cover their iniquity and do not let their sin be blotted out from before you. For they have, uh, for they have provoked you to anger uh, before, before the builders, right? So we built the wall. The entire wall was joined together up to half its height. Man, we're, we're making some progress here. Now, according to chapter 6, it took them 52 days to get the job done. 52 days. All right? So they're half, they got the wall halfway done now, okay? For the people had a mind to work. Now, it happened when Sanballat, Tobiah, and the Arabs, okay, and the Ammonites, the Tishbites, and the parasites and the Ashadites and a whole bunch of otherites. They heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored and the gaps were beginning to be closed and they became very angry, right? Because they know your game's up. You ain't going to be able to hold this over them anymore. And all of them conspired together to come and attack Jerusalem and create confusion. Nevertheless, once again, we made our prayer to God, right? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And because of them, we set a watch against them day and night. Then Judah said, the strength of the laborers is failing, and there is much rubbish uh, that we are not able to build the wall. In other words, we've got so much we've got to work around. And our adversary said they will neither uh, know nor see anything till we come into their midst and kill them and cause the work to cease. In other words, we're going to just rain havoc on them if we can. So it was when the Jews who dwelt near the near them, came, and they told us ten times. In other words, ten, uh, basically what I'm just saying is that ten times uh, a source would come and let them know what they were hearing out there, okay? From whatever place you turn, they will be upon us. Okay, well, therefore, I position men uh, behind the lower parts of the wall. In other words, we're ready to fight. And the openings, and I set the people according to their families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked... Come on, somebody. I looked. Hallelujah. I looked. Everybody say, I looked. Hallelujah. I looked and I arose. Hallelujah. And said. All right. So in other words, we ain't giving up. To the nobles, to the leaders, to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Sometimes that's all I want to say to people. Stop being afraid. Don't yield to fear. Sometimes it's just... People run in their mouth. 
Well, I had an evil report. Well, I'm not denying that it's evil. I'm not denying what you're up against. But don't yield to fear. Don't give the enemy place. Look at your neighbor and say, do not fear. Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. Praise God. Hallelujah. And of course, when the enemy heard it, they realized they ain't backing down. They're not quitting. And these boys began to work, boys and gals, probably everybody got involved. They had some people that would stand watch while the others worked, and then there were times when they were when they had one, uh, you know, they'd have a weapon in one hand and they'd have you know a tool in the other hand. And the bottom line is, we ain't quit until the job's done. We refuse to yield to fear. We refuse to give up. Praise God! And it's amazing when somebody rises up and says, "Enough is enough. Let's make a difference." Praise God! Can I hear a big amen with somebody today? Amen. And there is something about it when you all come together as one, when you all get stirred up, it's amazing what kind of things you can get done. Amen. What we have is one man, a passion of one man that really stirred participation in the others to get involved. And when they did, all of a sudden they're doing things that they thought could never be done. And I believe with all my heart, amen, we ain't no different. I believe when we come together as one, we could do things that they said could never be done. We could fulfill things that they said could never be fulfilled. We could do things that are bigger than ourselves if we'll just come together as one. Look at your neighbor and say, let's get involved, praise God. Amen? Hallelujah. Now, I'm just going to close with this and just say this, okay? My heart is just to stir in you that when people come together, things get done. Amen? Now, a lot began to happen here. It wasn't just that a wall got built. Chapter 5 says that they also got their their lands restored, their properties restored. Come on, somebody, their dignity restored. Chapter 7, they got their homes restored, their families restored, their unity restored. In chapter 8, chapter 9, they got their fervency for God restored. Hallelujah. And in chapter 13, we see the restoration of the order of the house of God. In other words, it just went from one thing to another. And before it was over with, praise God, we got a people of God serving God like they should. Amen. Because a people of God came together to make a difference. It's amazing when some come together and begin to unite what begins to happen. And it'll bleed into every area of our life. And I see it even today, amen, it ain't no different. When the people of God come together and they unite, it's amazing what begins to shift and change. Hallelujah. Not only in your church, but your homes, your families, your communities, praise God, your state, your nation. Can I hear a big amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Trudy, come on up, praise God. Hallelujah. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to watch the video of this message, head over to vimeo.com forward slash WOVictory or go to Jerry Roberts Ministry on Roku. For more information about who we are and what we do here at Order Victory, check out the website at wovictory.org. That's wovictory.org. See you there.